This is a dedicated space now. It's going to be so much better. It's going to be really good. Just no. bear with us. I think bear it's great. Us. Hi. Hello, and welcome to Red Raccoon Radio, your source for tabletop gaming news in Bloomington, Illinois, and beyond. After a bit of hiatus, I am still your host. A bit? Parrot. Just a bit. It's like small, seven weeks. A small bit. <laughs> there, was a, there was some adjustments that needed to occur, and so I am still your host, though, John Parrott, and with me today to get this back on track is game store owner Jamie Mappy. Good morning. Well, I shouldn't say good morning on a podcast, right? I mean... It's morning. We're, we're recording it right it's now. It's the old adage, it's always a morning somewhere. Yeah. That was horrible. That wasn't even right. I don't even know why I was It's 5 o'clock somewhere. It's 5 o'clock somewhere, so it's got to be a morning somewhere at the same time. Well, that's fair. Uh, <laughs> so let's just get into it. Uh, we have been gone for a little while. We are back and we are back because this was a monumental weekend, uh, to say the least. Super cool. It was a super cool weekend because this was the release of the Dungeons and Dragons movie. And honor among thieves, honor among thieves is the subtitle for that. Hopefully we're going to see money, many more because Oh man, there's so many stories they could tell. We're gonna get into it. We're gonna okay. we're gonna yeah, yeah, get yeah, yeah. more into that a little down the road. But I can tell you that Jamie is like, we've already talked about it for 15 minutes, and I know that we have at least another like hour and a half long worth of conversation. We'll talk oh, yeah. about that a little bit. Yeah, more conversation was, than there was like the movie. It was such a good movie. But we are gonna go ahead and keep to our cadence. And Jamie, I just have to ask, how was the store last week? You know what? The store's good. It was. Um, Man, the weather this week has just been like a roller coaster ride. Yeah. You know, we had uh, 70, it was in, in the 40s, then it was 70, then it was back in the 40s, and the crazy windstorm, and you know, some tornadoes happened down near Springfield, and... A tornado actually hit my hometown. Really? Yeah. It was not great. Oh, that's not good. Everybody's good? Uh, within my family, yes. yes. Uh, yeah. Our our small airport, and by airport I mean a strip of asphalt and a uh, <laughs> one building. I didn't know you guys had an airport. <laughs> Not many people do. It's a conversation we can talk about another time, but basically, uh, I will tell this story. Whenever I was doing driver's ed, the driver's ed instructor always would make us drive out to the airport. Sometimes we'd be dropping off packages. Sometimes we'd be picking up packages. We never knew what was in the packages. I really felt like I was doing something illicit <laughs> during my driver's ed experience. Um, it was that type like, of airport. Were they like packing tape like wrapped around them in this massive like rounded... It definitely didn't yeah. look like the USPS was going to be picking this up anytime soon. Wrapped with coffee or something. Exactly. Yeah. So I... It's one of those, like, in the movies when they're like, oh, yes, we've got this, this big deal going down, so we're going to go to this old abandoned airport in the middle of nowhere. That's our town. That's what we had. So, uh, yeah. yeah the, the, the store was good. I mean, we had the release of the Pokemon Scarlet and Violet set. I know you like to joke that every time we do a podcast, time. there's a new Pokemon set releasing. Every and, time. Well, we, we had a long enough delay. There was a release of Pokemon uh, Scarlet and Violet. Uh, that's the new TCG play or TCG card game that um, matches the video game. Of course, you know Pokemon 
always matches what's going on in the video game to what's going on to the card game and then the TV shows and the movies and Pokemon Go. I, I often say that you can do a master's thesis in marketing just by watching what Pokemon Company does. It's incredible. The, the content they put out, the consistency that they have, and the market share that they're able to constantly maintain, even with the flood of products. I, I just feel like sometimes Magic the Gathering must look over at them wizards just being like, what is it? What is it that they have? And, I, and I'm guessing it's the kids' market. Like, Yeah. Well, Wizards, I mean, Magic is still a bigger seller than Pokemon. Mm-hmm. It, it, it feels like Pokemon gets a lot more market share right now. I mean, in the last couple of years with that crazy Pokemon bubble that we had with mm-hmm. uh, some of the cards just going astronomical in price... Um, that was, you know, that was that really changed a lot of the focus away from Magic to Pokemon. But Pokemon, you know, is still only maybe fifty percent of the sales market compared to Magic: The Gathering. You know, Magic is just massive, and uh, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that a lot of Pokemon players um, age out, sell off their cards, and move on to Magic or or a similar game, Digimon or uh, One Piece or something similar to that. And, uh, you know, but there's still plenty of people, plenty of adults to play Pokemon as well. It's just a lot of them give it up and, and move on. Whereas once you start playing Magic, it's like the, the crack that keeps sucking you back in over and over again. Some people successfully sell out and stay out. But in my experience, this will be nine years of owning the store. And we've seen many people who sold everything like, I'm getting married, I'm having kids. And then like four or five years later, like... Just, just one deck. Maybe I'll just get one commander deck just to play with the guys. And then they're coming back in and they're getting singles again. And it's like they get sucked back in. It's like falling off the wagon. Yeah. It, it is, to some, an addiction. I will also say that we, we are reaching the point now where pretty much everyone who started with the Pokemon card game as well is having their own kids. Their kids are now getting interested. And oh, I'm sure, sure that... That adds up, oh, well, this is something I used to do when I was young, so I can do it with my family now. And that's a whole different dynamic to bring into it. Well, and something new for the store, too, is Pokemon Company asked us to start, and and not just us, but, you know, I think everybody, asked us to start what they call Pokemon Club, which is like a kid's club. And so we're running it on Monday nights, and it is designed for that kind of like that third grade, the sixth grade market to make sure they actually know the rules of the game. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of kids that come in love to collect the cards, they love the shinies, they love the secret rares, but they have no idea how to play the game. And this is, we're trying to focus on, here are the rules of the game, here's how to actually do battle and play with your Pokemon cards that you have. And we've sold out every week so far. I think parents would like us to add more uh, capacity, but that's not going to happen until we move to the new location because with 16 kids in the basement at the same time right now it's a little loud it it can get a little loud speaking of and that is a great transition uh the new store i believe you have an update you wanted to share yeah well we haven't we haven't done uh one of these in seven weeks so here's the saga that has happened right so i i think i've shared multiple times with everybody that um at first, we were concerned about the elevator, and then, um, and then, so we ordered the elevator last October. At this point, and then, I was assured that the elevator, everything was good. I'm like, yeah, great, woo! And then it was, where's the electrical panel? And I'm like, wait, what? 
So we have to upgrade the electrical panel for the entire feed, the electrical feed coming into the building. And we're taking it from a 440 amp to an 880 amp service, which seems ridiculous. But if there's three businesses that end up in there, we need that much power. Right. Um, and so we have been in the process of that. And then all of a sudden it was like, hey, we're missing the electrical panel or the electrical panel has been delayed until August. Which case I had, I had a major case of the SADS that week, right? Then we got approval from Ameren to use an older style panel that doesn't have some bypass that they normally require. And and thank you, Ameren, because they recognize supply chain issues are a real thing. Um, You know, we've heard, we, I know of at least two other businesses in downtown that are currently also struggling to get their electrical panel. So... Uh, Wilcox Electric is, is doing all of our work on this building and they found an older style panel and so we got approval and now we have electricity, which is good. Yay! Um, we, we had no electricity for about a week in the building while they were cutting it over. We have enough panel to do the Red Raccoon side and the life safety stuff, which is, you know, fire alarm and elevator and stuff like that. But the panel to for the rental side of the building that we're hoping to rent to another awesome store that wants to move in with us, that is missing in maybe June or July till we get that. But the game store is not import- impacted anymore. And I was like, woo, yeah, woo. And then this last Tuesday they said, oh, by the way, the elevator company said that they still don't have all the parts. So I feel like I'm on a roller coaster of emotions with the elevator company. And this isn't like some little fly-by-night elevator company. You know, this is um, Otis who is... I think they're the largest elevator company in Illinois, period. And they have a massive presence in downstate. And, but supply chain is still supply chain, you know? And so, um, yeah. So, so for those of you wanting to know when we're going to move the building, the answer is, I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Because without the elevator, we can't get a certificate of occupancy and we can't use the downstairs play space. And there's so many big events coming up this summer, we can't not have play space available. I mean, we've got in June, right in a row, we've got Cogs and Corsets, which is the steampunk festival. It's always a big day for the, the store because gamers and steampunk go kind of go hand in hand. Then we've got the Lord of the Rings um, set for Magic the Gathering. And that's going to be bonkers because we're, the special orders are already um, flying in for that. And then uh, the week after that, we've got Free RPG Day. Again, another big event for the for the store. And I'm just, you know, and then and then you get into July with 4th of July, and we've got people with holiday plans, and, and then there's another Pokemon set in there, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's another Pokemon set. Well, there's going to be one every week, so it completely makes sense. Yeah. It, so it's, it's kind of, it's kind of lunacy right now. And, um, you know, trying to figure out when we can move the store knowing that that elevator is just a giant question mark right now is yeah so but it's it's shaping up um <clears throat> i'm putting a new pa- video on patreon today for our patreon subscribers and um they're painting they've been painting up the upstairs mm-hmm. so when you start seeing all the you you can you can't really see all the drywall mud and tape and everything like that anymore right and now it's really starting to come together when it looks like a solid presentation so yeah 
if I make it through this one with um, any red hair or any hair at all, this is going to be, uh, I think, a miracle that it's been worked. I might need to rename the segment What Keeps Jamie Up at Night because I feel like it's a much more apropos title. Like We, we can get that fit into what we're doing. But luckily you have not been all work. You have had some play because you and I actually got to experience a game together. Yes. Uh, the other night we were supposed to record this podcast and uh, a bit of a faux pas happened in the misplacing of the microphones, which was corrected, obviously. Yes. Um, but we took that opportunity to crack open. They were behind the door. Yes, they were. We right couldn't there. see them because we had the door open. The whole time. They were right behind the door. We looked everywhere. If we if we closed the door. If only. They'd have been right there. And we would have started. <laughs> but instead we took that time. Uh, I went ahead and purchased the Till the Last Gasp board game from our friends at Critical Role. Yeah. And it's under their Darrington Press imprint. Exactly. And as a Darrington Press, what is the term for you? Darrington Press? Guild, guild store. Guild store. Yeah. Uh, you guys get all of the good gear. Um, and you can order all the cool stuff. But I will say, this game, oof, I hesitate to call it a game, almost. Yeah. Storytelling adventure? I think that might be a little closer. I mean, there Narrative. was game say aspects to it because I think ultimately I beat you because you got a crummy roll in the on the last round. It's true. It's true. I I had nothing left to give because I, I started off doing really badly and then you um and then you took over the the do, rolling poorly for me at the end. There are those out in the world that are dice blessed. I am not one of them, except <laughs> when I am the DM. When I am the DM, for some reason, Everybody's then I can died. actually play. And you've experienced that. Yes. However. Let's talk about the game a little bit and what it actually is. For those of you that don't know, uh, I, I believe Critical Role wanted to create a game where it, the focus was on the role playing, not necessarily the mechanics. Yeah. Um, and so they created this game where you take on the role of a character, they give you prompts and motivations, but you could completely, just like a character sheet, come up with your own character. Yeah, there's pre-dones in the box, but then there's also instructions in the book of how to make your own character. Exactly. And the focus... We of, just used the pre-gen ones. We did. Uh, and the focus of the game was you are going to be in a last battle with somebody from your past or history or someone in, important in your, your story. Yeah. And this is going to be a one-on-one -on -one till the end fight with this other person. The so, epic last duel. Yes. So in our storyline, uh, we decided, first of all, you get to choose your location that you're playing on. Right. We chose an airship because Jamie's character was a pirate, a sky pirate that I had, uh, I had originally been a slave to his character's father. And so I had uh, come for revenge against more of the the name of the ship itself and trying to take down the ship completely. But there was a bunch of a, a bunch of location cards in the box. It was yes. just the one I happened to grab off. You can choose castles. You can choose plane lands. The reason why the locations are important is because the way you play the game, you get to make moves, specific moves, and you spend dice rolls in order to make these moves happen. Uh, you will basically use the dice to get action points, and these action points can be spent on uh, maybe destroying some scenery. Uh, it could be that you physically attack the other person. Maybe you prompt them to take what's known as a drama card, which kind of is a, a Russian roulette of what could possibly happen. Or on the location cards themselves, you can spend action points to do specific things. So on the ship, we could actually like push each other against the railing or 
uh, we could actually move the ship because we were fighting right next to where the wheel of the I ship was. I tangled you in the rigging of the ship one you point. You did, too. you did. And you so, lost like some action points because of that. Exactly. Or you were stalled. So you begin the game with, you have one D20 and five D6s, mm-hmm. and then you can split those D6s between if you want to be more of a defensive character or a aggressive character Mm -hmm. and then at the beginning of each round you kind of choose what type of character you're going to be you can spend the appropriate dice in those actions to get those action points Uh, but you have that d20 at all times in order to make sure that you're at least going to have some action points to play with which leads us to what happened is jamie at the very beginning did not roll well and did not have a lot of dice, but by the end, I had burned through all of my dice pool. I had not been spending the time to recharge it, so I only had the D20, which only gave me a limited amount of action points back, yeah. depending on my roll. Uh, so that led us to actually having, what I would say, a pretty good story to walk away from. Yeah. Um, we we ended up lighting the ship on fire, uh, using some sort of alchemist fire and lightning. Actually, no, we didn't. That was my plan. You were trying to. You were going to try to burn me, and I saw yes. it coming. And you you wrapped a plasma whip around my neck and threw it in the sky for the lightning to hit. I burned. That's how the story ended. You were vaporized. I was vaporized. Now, the nice thing in the story is you do get the option to choose at what aggression level the game is at. So yeah. you can say, you know, it's just till somebody wins or it's to the last gasp. Yeah. Um, but... The, the mechanics of the game is not going to give you what you're normally used to with a board game. It's not going to give you that, okay, I've created this this great strategy, or I've engine built, or I've, I've collected the right cards in order to play it this round. It's very much built for, if you're a person that just really appreciates roleplay, and you're kind of tired of D&D putting rules in the way of you uh, roleplaying, this is the game for you. Because it's it's the flexibility of the narrative that really makes this game shine. Yeah, you know, no, it was it was a lot of fun, and it was, um, you know, you go back because one of the things at the beginning of each turn is you have to set your stance, and you can either be offensive, defensive, um, and of course, if you're defensive, that's one of the ways that you can recharge some of the dice and get some dice back for your dice pool, and um, you can also do things to affect the other person's stance too. So you mm-hmm. can push them into what's called a reckless mode. And by pushing them into the reckless mode, that gives them completely different choices and it might completely ruin their plan of what they thought they were going to do for that turn as well. I I thought it was pretty well done and I appreciated the fact that it was kind of agnostic between you could choose if you were going to do a straight fantasy duel or if you wanted a sci-fi lightsaber-esque duel, you could kind of go that direction, you know, kind of go either direction with them. We were very much prompted at the very beginning of the game to kind of set the pace for our characters as well as the world. And you didn't have to do a lot of world building, but I think we kind of settled in like a weird lost technology or ancient magic is technology type of Yeah, we never described why I had a plasma whip. Exactly. If it was future setting or past setting or or what that was. And we were in an airship itself, but it wasn't necessarily, it didn't look like fantasy-like, but again... The flexibility is completely there. Yeah, yeah, and and the versions that we have at the store right now come with the limited edition promos, so you get a bunch of characters from Vox Machina that you could choose to play as well. Because um, I almost picked Grog. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was torn between if I wanted to pick Grog or, or Gilmore, and I think Pike was in there, and I don't remember who else. But Vax was in there. 
Yeah. Um, it, not all of Not the cast. all of them was there. And some odd choices. Like you said. Keyleth, uh, Keyleth, Keyleth, however you say her, she, she was, was there. there. But like having Gilroy there was, I thought, a very interesting choice. Yeah. Because in in my knowledge of the, the Critical Role universe, he's not a very active participant in battles. But you do get the sense that he has a history, he has a past, and his his way of doing things would be interesting. But then again, really, there is nothing stopping you from... The character sheets themselves don't give you any bonuses. They don't give you any assets. It is merely a place setting for how you are letting your character play. Yeah. Um, so you can literally just make up a character on the fly and, and roll with it, and you're still going to have a great time. I could also see it very easy for them to go back and like make available a free download off the website or something and put the rest of the, the Critical Role characters in there or the Vox Machina characters, too. I absolutely could see that. It'd I, be pretty easy to share that information out and just you know hit it with a laser printer or something and, mm-hmm. and have those extra characters available. Get some cardstock. Yeah. Uh, so Jamie and I played, and I kind of walked away from the game. I'm like, who would I recommend this to? And definitely role players, for sure. But I'm like, this is not a game that I can bring to a board game night. This is not... I wouldn't even say it's... What well, is two-player only as well. It is well. two-player so only as well. So that's definitely not bringing it to your traditional board game night unless everybody else wants to sit around and watch two people play, and that's not always the most fun. I... Yeah, the, the equipment that you have is limited to two-player because the idea is that you're going through a duel. I feel like there's nothing really stopping you from buying two versions of the game and, and having more of a battle royale system, almost, if you played it correctly. But I think it's only a matter of time until somebody writes those rules. Exactly. But I think that this is the best thing. If you are an RPG player and you have a consistent game, and we all know if you have a consistent game, you're going to have some nights where not everyone can make it. Yeah. If you had this that you could just plop out on the table and be like, all right, we're just going to do something fun. We're going to play around. We're going to... And it wasn't super long either, so no. it could be something like, you know, Kate just sent us a message and she's running a half an hour behind. I think I think it took us about 40 minutes. Yeah. It would be play. an awesome uh, place setter. I think one of the things I've been seeing online is that uh, there was one person who said... You start your. You tell people to arrive at your house at a certain time to play D anD D, but you don't have curtain up until half an hour later or forty five minutes later, so people can come. They can get their food. They can have the conversations that they want to have. So there's mandatory snack gathering time. Exactly, and this would be a great way to like kind of pass some of that time if you were waiting for people or until the curtain really goes up. So, uh, it was an interesting time. I, I would suggest checking it out if you are if you are a role player at heart. Yeah. No, I, I enjoyed it uh, quite a bit. Um, I would also not say this. At first, I was like, this might be a great way to introduce somebody to what role-playing is. Yeah. I don't know if I truly believe that after playing it. Yeah. Well, and then I was just to say, too, because it's a very different... Because the other game I've gotten to play recently, I don't know if you've even gotten to play it yet or not, was I got to play uh, uh, Clank Catacombs again. I have not yet, no. And, and Clank Catacombs is such a completely different experience, but it's, man, it's, God, I think it might be my favorite game that was released in 2022 at this point. I can't think of what other game I've had this much fun playing from that was released last year. We should, you know, I guess now we're here in April, uh, since it's April 2nd when we're recording this, we should probably maybe try to put together a list of like our favorite games that were released, released last year. But it, Clank Catacombs is um, so much fun, 
And uh, the big difference, the, the massive difference, um, you know, the original Clank game, I love it, the deck building mechanic, and you use that to move around the board. The big difference is this time is a tile-based modular board. You shuffle up the tiles, and you don't reveal tiles and flip tiles out until somebody tries to walk off the edge of the board that way. So even on their turn, it's possible to flip over a tile that they can't actually go that way because there's a locked door or monsters or something. And just that one addition to the mechanic, the clank base game rules makes such a massive difference to the game. And I'm, I'm just having so much fun playing it that, um, yeah, that's it. But there's so completely night and day differences between the two games I got to play in the last week, you know, mm-hmm. um, that I'm just like, it's, it's almost mind blowing that, yeah, they're both games, but they're so different. Oh my gosh. Well, speaking of Clank, we did get some news a few weeks ago about some a new edition of Clank that's actually coming out. So Catacombs has just come out. It's brand new. But they have now announced that they are doing a sequel to Clank Legacy. Yeah. Uh, the, the continuation of the Acquisitions Incorporated uh, kind of saga that they are trying to build within the Clank universe, which... I found interesting for many reasons. I, I have started to play the Clank Legacy game. I thought it was fine. I didn't even we didn't come close to finishing it, but I was intrigued that they are still sticking with the Penny Arcade Acquisitions Incorporated Acquisitions Incorporated theme, which is not which it has a following. Don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. Penny Arcade is. Jim Dark Magic. Jim Dark Magic is one of the characters. It is it is you know over the top. It is funny, and they they have their own space. There's even an acquisition corporate incorporated D and D book that you can get, and it's mm-hmm. officially licensed. It's on D and D. And Acquisitions Incorporated is actually uh, got a whole saga. If you play Neverwinter, the the free to play D and D game for the computer, correct? There's a whole Acquisitions Incorporated campaign that's part of it. Which, side note, I didn't put in the news story, but I think that you're going to the Underdark in that game now? Like, that's the next expansion? I don't know. I, I don't even have it installed right now. Okay. I, I, uh, I, God, I've installed something at home, and I was like, 125 gigs? What the heck is this? <laughs> so I had to uninstall some stuff, and I haven't played Neverwinter in long enough that I just uninstalled it for right now. I'll, I'll end up going back to it and putting it on. But I think you now get to travel to the, the homeland of... Um, the famed dark drow elf Drizzit. Drizzit, which I, I can never pronounce Drizzt. the name of the Drizzt. town. Oh, uh, Mesabranza. Ne- yeah, that's the one. Uh, that is why you know he's a board game store owner, ladies and gentlemen, because <laughs> that just rolled off the lips. But getting back to this game, uh, again, it's going to be Clank. It looks like it's still going to be a single board instead of the modular set that is coming out of Catacombs, which I was a little disappointed to see after your rave reviews of, of the tile lane system. I think that the uh, intended audience and the effects that you're doing with the Legacy game is so different. Because Catacombs, it would be it would be really hard to have an ongoing campaign of doing anything where you unlock anything. You know, because it's, 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 it's a Legacy-style game, right? Click right. Legacy. And Legacy-style games are you're supposed to do things that affect the board and affect the game for all future gameplays. And I don't know how you could do that in Catacombs unless you... I guess you could unlock new tiles and pull new tiles out of the box, or or new. Eh, all right, I know how you could do it. I, I'm yeah. just I'm talking myself into it of how I would do it. So, and I would say successfully, it's actually been done in 
um, the Betrayal on the House on the Hill Legacy version, yeah. which is a tile laying game, which you know you is can... impossible to find now. Yes, did you know they stopped printing it for whatever reason, and it's just gone crazy online. It's like two hundred fifty bucks online now. Really? Yeah, I think I have a copy that I've never touched. So yeah, Jesse should... still says that's his favorite Legacy game he's ever played. I can say that the rules were a little confusing about certain elements when I played it, but the storyline and the activity. I mean, it, I understand they're moving on to their third version now and yeah it i i still have that waiting to to be cracked open but all right we'll have to get the group together because i still want to play too all right awesome but yeah so i'm i'm i just wish that they would have taken the chance to have clank legacy anything else um i think it depends on how this new expansion adds on to it is it a new board or are you still using the original board and this is a sideboard or um, is this new monsters and stuff on that original board? And, and they haven't given us a ton of details on it yet other than just the fact that we're releasing a new game and it's still Penny Arcade. Yes. Acquisitions Incorporated. Um, but one note is that it is going to have apparently more PvP gameplay. It's not going to necessarily be you're on your own quest. It's going to be more you can actively mess with other players. Okay, that that's has pretty been, cool. That has been an, an element. It's a little co-opetition? Yes. Yes. Now, let me, let me throw around some uh, hipster nerd cred. All right, let's hear it. I was at Penny Arcade Expo the first time that they actually played for Acquisitions Incorporated. Look at that swagger. Yeah. Well, that's the time. I went there one time, and you know, and I used uh, frequent flyer miles, right, and off of a credit card, and I, I used points, and Kelly's like, are you flying to Seattle by yourself? And I, I decided to go super late in the game, and I threw in with some other guys and I quote unquote rented a corner of a hotel room. So I slept on the floor <laughs> in a corner with, there was like eight guys in this room and all I really wanted was a place to put my bag and to be able to take a hot shower every morning. And so, yeah, I paid like 65 bucks for a corner to sleep on the floor of this hotel room. But it was super cool because I also played in a massive, like, I think it was 256-person Dominion tournament wow. back then as well. That's insane. Yeah, it was fun. That's crazy. That is one of your favorite games that's been stated. Speaking of games that are favorites, okay. uh, we're going to talk about Catan now. Because okay. as we know, this is the time of year where pranks happen. Hmm? Got sheep. No, no, I, I got you. But we are now staring down April 1st. Uh, it is now in the rear view, but it was here. And you always have to be careful now because the internet loves to trick you. Yes. Uh, there was even, just in our recording today, before we recorded, Jamie brought up the fact that uh, there's a new Scott Pilgrim animated show coming out. They got all the original cast members. And I said, I have not looked at that article too closely because it was so close to April 1st. I was relatively sure that you know IGN had made that up. Uh, but they put it out on March 30th, two exactly. days early. I don't so, know that they would have gone two days early. It is legit. I, IGN's uh, gag for this year was that they were going to make uh, the movie voices available on all of their Mario games. So, like, you could have Chris Platt being Mario. But it was really them just taking quotes from movies these people had played in and, and putting I it into visuals. So. would not like that at all. No, but so <laughs> when I looked at this article about Catan, I thought... This is a little early for April Fools, but this can't be real. Yeah. But there's two new scenarios coming out I, I for don't, Catan. Yeah. Wow. The first one is Hawaii, 
which is has a weird uh, apostrophe thrown in there to make it look a little bit different. It adds a little bit more to the seafaring realm. It gives you a different island that you can go to. It, it's great. The next, yeah, I mean, that one makes sense though, right? Absolutely, you know, playing p- playing in in historic Hawaii in the the time of uh, what was it, Captain Cook, right? Yes. But didn't they whack him? They whacked him in, at, at Hawaii. I think. I don't think he left the islands. I think he died there. How I just learned about this like literally 20 minutes ago i watched a tiktok about captain cook because there was like a coin brought into a, a pawn star episode yes captain cook did not make it off of hawaii he yeah. he tried to steal a native and it did not end well for him yeah they turned out they didn't like that part no they did not um but Catan is adding an element that i i think maybe would have been a better choice for captain cook to do when he arrived there and that is <laughs> playing soccer yeah, this was, I don't know, I saw that, and I, I don't know how this is going to work. I, I just, I don't understand. So, first of all, this article comes from uh, Comic Book Resources, or no, comicbook.com, excuse me. It's uh, Soccer Comes to Catan by Christopher Hoffer. And the, the base information that we are given is that players earn victory points to each town and city they get on the board, along with having, oh, sorry, no, this is it. Um, Whenever players build a settlement or city in the game, they have a soccer match using a small soccer ball and a fold-out pitch. Winning matches earns you benefits within the game, and actually winning the league earns players victory points. So basically, I don't know if just someone at Catan is a huge Ted Lasso fan, or what has happened. (laughs) They believe. But yeah, but this is, this seems just way off course for Catan. And I'm kind of here for it, but still, at the same time, I'm like, I need to see how this is really executed. Yeah. There um, have been a couple of soccer board games that have come out recently. My uh, my friend uh, Dave um, owns Gigamech Games, and he's a massive soccer, or so he would call it football, because he's, from, he Ireland, cause he's yep. from Ireland. And um, so he's all about the soccer games. But, but Catan plus soccer, that's the one that's kind of like, what... It makes me now question what time period Catan is supposed to be taking place in, because... And I always thought it was like expansionism, right? Exactly. Which would have been like the 1400s to 1600s, right? Which, if you told European me... European colonialism? Yeah, if you told me this expansion was called like Sheep's Bladder or something, and they were just kicking that around, <laughs> I'd get that. But it's like full on... They call it soccer, too. It's not even just like football, so it's it's definitely an, an American... I'm sure in, in, in Europe it's football, right? We'll see. We'll see. F-U-T-B-O-L. Football. That's that's two different skews you have to put on. That's two different box art you have to do. We'll see if that happens. But yeah, that was, that was one of the odder things. You can definitely go online and check out kind of what that imagery looks like. Um, but with that... Because we're talking about the time frame and the season, and I do want to talk about the Dungeons and Dragons movie as our last article today. So okay. here's what we're okay. gonna do. Here's because we got we got so much to talk about. Okay. Uh, we're we're gonna have a conversation right now. We're gonna probably give ourselves thirty minutes to have a non-spoiler talk about this movie because we okay. just watched it last no night. No spoilers. No spoilers. If you are a Patreon subscriber, which for five dollars a month at Patreon.com/slash Red Raccoon Games, all one word. 
you can hear what will happen after this episode, which is a more in-depth conversation about how Jamie felt about the movie, being, you know, someone from who has loved D&D for a long time. He went to even an early screening and sat in the very front row in order to see this film. And I have tickets for next Saturday. Already. So if you want to hear more about that, become a Patreon subscriber. If you're already a Patreon subscriber, all you'll have to do is, if you're already listening on Patreon, good for you. That's why I'm uploading the episodes there. Uh, But if you want to, you can get on Patreon, find this episode, and just skip ahead to the last, we'll probably say last 45 minutes is how much we'll talk, a spoiler-filled review of the movie. So, Jamie, out of a score of 1 to 10 dragons, how are you rating... Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. I'm going to give it, um, I'll give it an eight dragons. Eight dragons. Eight, okay. eight dragons. I, um, I enjoyed everything about it except for maybe the opening, right? And I'm not going to do any spoilers. I will just say that it starts off slow mm-hmm. and... So I'm sitting in the theater last night next to Kelly, and she's looking at me like, what did you make me go watch? Because overall, here's my overall opinion of the movie is, if you know nothing about Dungeons & Dragons, which Kelly only knows about Dungeons & Dragons, like what she overhears the rest of us talking about. On the periphery. Yeah, she's never played, right? And has no interest in playing. I don't know. Um, we should make that a Patreon goal. <laughs> a Patreon goal to make Kelly play a game yeah. of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Wow. I don't know if she'd agree to that. Um, <laughs> so um, I told her, I said, look, you liked Lord of the Rings. You've liked the Hobbit movies and stuff. This is just a fun fantasy romp. She enjoyed the Lord of the Rings TV show. You know, I've gotten her to watch things like, you know, The Knight's Tale or uh, not The Knight's, A Knight's Tale and um, Lady Hawk and things mm-hmm. like that. She's enjoyed most of those things because they're just good movies, right? Yeah. This is just a good fantasy romp if you know nothing about Lord of the Rings. Or yep. Lord of the Rings. Uh, the Hot, Dungeons, uh, Dungeons Dragons. Dragons. Wow. I can't edit that. I'm sorry. Wow. That is too shameful. I have that to is, keep that in yeah. the recording. I was, I get so many things in my head right there. I was just saying she liked Lord of the Rings. Um, if you know your Dungeons and Dragons history, there are a ton of hidden homages to D and D. Yep, all sprinkled through there, right? Beautifully, so subtly, you subtly, yes. So, uh, all right, something that's in the trailer, right? So, in the trailer, I'm, I'm actually going to stop you right there okay. because not because I think that you're going to be spoilery, but I, I do want to mention. I feel like if someone has not watched the trailers, good on them. Because I feel like the trailers have given away some pretty substantial pieces of information, things that I would have loved to be surprised by. Um, So if you're you're wanting to watch this and you've been totally, like, obtuse about it, good for you. That's fair. But if you think that you can work around that, go for it. Um, Well... All right, well, then I won't say what I was going to say. Fair. Right? What, that, that's fair. $5 a month, you can hear it whenever we talk about it at the end of this episode. <laughs> so, um, but overall, you know, I, I mean, if we compare and contrast to the previous two Dungeons & Dragons movies, this is just, it's night and day, right? Mm-hmm. The uh, the first one probably gets a three-dragon rating, right? It's not, I've seen worse movies. I have seen worse movies than the first Dungeons & Dragons movie. And to be clear, this is the Jeremy Irons. No, that's the guy. second one. That's the second one, this, okay. Yeah. The, yeah. Um, the second one, I would maybe give a five-dragon rating solely because Jeremy Irons is... 
fantastically yep. over the top and ridiculous. It, it is just amazing to watch him just chew up the scenery as he goes throughout that movie. Everything else about it's pretty horrible, right? Yep. This is, you know, okay, so we got Chris Pine, um, who kind of revives Star Trek, right? And he's um, he's now a comic book character for in comic books from Star Trek. He's now, a man of swagger. Yes. And um, now he's going to be a comic book character as well, for the comic book adaptations of this, this movie coming mm-hmm. out too. You've got Michelle Rodriguez, and, and Kelly wasn't placing her, and so she's probably most famous for being in all the Fast and the Furious movies. Um, she was also in Avatar and a couple... Uh, she's been in a bunch of other things, but I think the only things I've ever seen her in are I can remember are the Fast and Furious movies and, and Avatar. Um, but she's still kind of a big name. Uh, of course, Hugh Grant, who has been, if you're a Gen Xer, right, Hugh Grant was just dominating every 90s rom-com right up until the point where he did some bad things. And so yeah. he's, he's on his comeback tour. Um, and then you got some newcomers, too, like, uh, uh, what's the guy's first name is Justice. Justice Smith. And who, the only thing I remember him being in was he was in Jurassic Park, uh, Jurassic World. Um, the second one of those. Where Fallen he's, Kingdom. Yeah, trying to get off the island as the island's having a massive volcano. Jamie, you're going to lose some more street cred here because he was the main star of Pokemon Detective Peach, Pikachu. Is that him? That is the same person. I did not recognize that was him. Yep. And I liked was, that movie. It was very good. I only saw it the one time, though. That's all you really needed. Yeah. Uh, we also have, Can I have a quick aside? Of course. My favorite part of that entire movie is Snorlax. There's a, in the background of one of the scenes, Snorlax has fallen asleep and he's laying across the road and blocking traffic. That yep. was like my favorite part of that movie. Uh, we also had uh, Sophie Lillis, who many people are probably going to recognize from the It movies that just recently came out in yeah, 2017. Yeah, those are horror movies that I didn't watch them. Uh, yep, and he, also she did a Hansel and Gretel kind of movie in 2020, but she plays uh, really... I would say all of the main cast. Those, I would say, are the four main cast members. Well, uh, the guy that played Zink is the guy from Bridgerton. Yes, but I, not to get too spoilerly, I don't know if I would count him amongst the main cast members. Okay. But he was a big name, though. He's a big name. He was in Bridgerton, and he was really big. I will also say that uh, Chloe Coleman is in it as well. She plays a young girl. I don't want to, again ruin spoilers but she was in a movie called my spy with dave batista that was that, fun it was criminally underrated that was a fantastic film <laughs> it was Even so the silly. trailer was good <laughs> um but yeah and then the one of the other main people that are playing in it was daisy uh, head daisy head who has been i don't think i saw i looked at her profile and i don't think i've seen anything else she was in the big thing that she is i can say has been in has been shadow and bone which is now in its second season on netflix and so that is kind of where she's really been doing well uh, on that she's also in the sand band as well for one episode i and okay. it was a very poignant episode ultimately though i i enjoyed it a lot i really did i as somebody who grew up, I mean, I think, and people were saving it, because of course last night we rented out a theater for the game store, mm-hmm. and so we had 116 um, Red Raccoon staff and customers who were there hanging out, um, and a lot of people were saying that they came in with low expectations because of the previous D&D movies, 
and were surprised and yes. were very happy with the way that it played out. And there was cheering and there was hooting and hollering and there was laughing and there was, you know, it was, I, I enjoyed it. I, I think it is worth watching. So if you're a D&D fan, if I would say this is a must-see. If you are just a movie fan, I'm not thinking of anything else that's really coming out right now that I think would be a better choice to go watch than this. Oh, ooh, Jamie's giving me some looks right there. What are you, what movies are out right now you think that... I just think they hit a really good sweet spot as far as movies. Because I know John Wick 4 came out last week, but I feel I was like... I say, that's, that's the other one I have to go see John Wick 4. I have not seen it either, but I feel like a majority of people that are John Wick fans, like, it's... Are going to go see it last week. Ari went and saw it last week. Um, But I think you know, out of they, I don't think Dungeons Dragons, Honor Among Thieves had much competition for this weekend, and I believe they've already made fifteen billion dollars already from this weekend. So good on them. Not billion, not million, million, billion, million. Excuse me, I'm just throwing words around. Yeah. Um, But I would say I absolutely agree with everything you're saying. I think that one of the best parts of it was. I kind of already mentioned this, the subtlety of the nods, because I was so afraid that we we're going to get into this and they're going to be like, eh, you, you get this reference. Do you get this reference? It's a great reference, isn't it? It's a good reference. Uh, and that is not how it was. It was very subtle. It was understated so that if you were not familiar with some of the terms, literally those could pass you by. Right. But if you're like, Oh, I've, I played against a character like that or, Oh, that my character actually was connected to this organization. It, it, it made you feel just a little bit closer to, to being in the know for the movie. And I feel like that's always such a plus for that. If you were a D and D fan, you recognized the spells that they throw yep. in the movie. They're all accurate right out. Well, 99% of them are accurate right out of, of the books. So when they throw a spell, you're like, that's amazing to see it visualized like that. And I will say, they do not make it cheap by going like, magic missile! Like, he's using a... Fireball, fireball. Fireball, fireball. He's not using, or chill touch or anything like that. He, they're not hand-holding you. They're using some magical language to go through this. There's even a... There's a throwaway scene where uh, Justice Smith's character is a... He's a kind of a bad sorcerer. And he's trying to cast somebody and a guy puts his hand over his mouth. Because you it requires that vocal element yeah. and it stops it. And so just, yeah, those little nods yeah. are so fantastic. That's not really a spoiler because it's not essential to the movie whatsoever. No, no it's just I, like I allowed that one. In the background, right? Yeah, you don't see it coming. Yeah. Uh, so that was fantastic. I highly recommend people go check that out. Uh, and if you were one of also, the... I'll just say if you go see it, there there's a there's a small little scene in the middle of the credits, but there is nothing at the end of the credits. Once you see that small scene play in the middle of the credits, you can get up and leave because there is nothing at the end of the credits. Which I fully feel like should be now something that they put at the very beginning of the film. Like, if, if I have to go to Marcus Theater and listen to What's-His-Name talk to me about how I should order food ahead, he should also be able to say, in this film, there's going to be two uh, in-credit scenes. You oh, uh, was it Greg Marcus? Yeah. He always talks about, yeah. Dad. Dad. You missed you missed me talking. He's like, I know. That is, that's not meta. That is just how we are all feeling about this moment. Like, yeah, no Kelly one hates, wants to be Kelly hates this. those little break-ins when he talks on there. I, I think, like... 
I'm always, I told her, I'm like, if I owned a movie theater chain, I would absolutely put myself in obnoxious little commercials <laughs> at the start of every movie because I could. Because they're always changing. They rotate all the time. Which I appreciate that much. Yeah. They don't make you watch the same one with him in them, but I would absolutely do that. I was, I was living in Decatur for a while, and I forget the name of this character, but basically they had, they had gone into like... I don't know, Unreal Engine 3 or something, they had gotten a model of a character, not animated the character, just like a, almost like a T-frame of a character, slapped a logo on him and made him fly around on the screen while they talked about him being a superhero for movies. It was the most annoying thing in the world every time I went to go see a movie there. And I'm not the main reason I left Decatur, but it was a perk for sure. Well, um, and it's funny too, because um, were you here when it was still Warenberg? Yes, they had this. They had their like, as if someone in the audience was like, "Oh wow, Warenberg, yeah." Um, so, if you want to hear more about what we thought about the film and and some other great insights into it, and and feel like you're part of a conversation, please go subscribe on Patreon. We'll be talking about that at the end of the episode. There is one more news article though that I do want to bring up for Jamie's sake because it is related to. D&D breaking into more media. And that is you actually got to meet the person that is going to be making the live action TV show of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Um, so last weekend I went to GaryCon. It's in Wisconsin, in Lake Geneva. And so of course uh, Gary Gygax is the creator of Dungeons and Dragons and, Gary, and he created it. He grew up and he lived in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, so only a few hours north of us. What's cool is the Lake Geneva Museum is adding a permanent um, Dungeons & Dragons and Gary Gygax display, so I saw that one. And the reason why it's called Gen Con is because they couldn't call it the Geneva Convention because, of course, that's a United Nations thing. So Gen Con's what it was called. It started in Lake Geneva outgrew Lake Geneva, moved it to a Milwaukee. And when I was a kid, I can't tell you how many times I tried to convince my parents to take me to Milwaukee to go to Gen Con. And, you know, I'm the son of a truck driver and a waitress, and that was not happening. Um, and so then eventually it outgrew the M Milwaukee Convention Center, and it's been in Indianapolis ever since. So uh, Luke Gygax, who is Gary's son, uh, started Gary Khan in Lake Geneva as an homage and, and a, a memorial to his father. And uh, so it was kind of cool um, meeting Luke. But at the convention, I got to meet um, uh, Larry Elmore, who is an amazing artist who painted so much of the history of uh, Dungeons and Dragons, like the cover of all the Dragonlance books and so many modules and everything he did the artwork for. Uh, I got to meet Margaret Weiss. Of course, Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman wrote all the Dragonlance books. And then uh, the other person I got to meet is, and I butcher his name every time, but I'm, I'm going to take my stab at it and say Joe Magninello. And I think I butchered it. Manginello? Manginello? I, I don't know. It's... Every time I hear it, it sounds different. Yeah, you, I mean, and people know him from right. He he was he probably most famous for his long role in um, the werewolf show from New Orleans, which was. Uh, I am totally dropping the name of it right now. I, I'm, I'm I, don't, I don't even know the name of this werewolf show. Which um, True feel... Blood, it's werewolves and vampires. Oh, he was in True Blood. Yeah, yes, he's a werewolf yes, yes. in. It's a vampire show, but he's a werewolf, I think, in in that one. 
And then um, he's, of course, was in Magic Mike, and he does a ton of stuff. He has his own D&D podcast series in his group. Uh, he has a line of heavy metal D&D clothing called Death Saves. Uh, just to point out a few other things, he has also starred in, um, in, in Critical Role as a very vital character. Uh, Archon the Cruel. Yes, connected to uh, Vecna who has become much more of a popular item and a new story I passed over, but someone that D&D is planning on bringing up more in the future upcoming books. Well, because Vecna, of course, was season four of Stranger, Stranger Things. Things. So they got to ride that that train. And they, they just announced there's a cool new Vecna statue. We've got it on a pre-order for the store right now. Because they already did the hand of Vecna, which mm-hmm. we've had at the store holding has, the eyeball. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they're making a, releasing a cool Vecna statue as well, which is... And awesome. This is going to be a deep cut that I don't even know if you know, but in the original Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire, okay, Joe Mangiello is Flash Thompson. He is the guy that tries to beat up Peter Parker. Is and, he really? Yeah, and Peter Parker has to dodge that punch and makes him like hit a locker and all of that. That is that is because that's the scene where like the punch is coming in slow motion. He dodges out of the way and watches like the arms, hairy arm, move past him and hit yep. the locker. Yep. I did not realize that was him. That is Joe. Okay. Anyway, the point of all this is he's making a Dragonlance TV show. I am excited and apprehensive at the same time. We just had the Rings of Power show on Amazon for um, Lord of the Rings, of course, and they did such an amazing job. However, remember we talked about all those news stories about the massive budget that they threw at that show? Yep. I don't know that Hasbro has the chops to throw the kind of budget that would be necessary to really tell the story of Dragonlance well. I don't know. For a, for a TV show, right? For a movie, there in the movie, there were dragonborn in the movie. They were done very well. There were dragons in the movie. They were done very well as well. But for a TV show, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a concern over here, John. And correct me if I'm wrong, because I've only dipped my toe in the Dragonlance universe, but the idea of the dragon lances is that you have people riding dragons with these lances that then will attack other dragons. Yeah. This is not something that you can easily just do practically right uh this is going to take special effects out the wazoo and we know that that is a financial sinkhole when it comes to these type of creations yeah now the the majority of the books dragons actually show up fairly rarely but you do see a lot of there's a ton of interaction with dragon but they don't they're not dragon born in the they're draconians Mm -hmm. and there's a ton of draconians and interaction with draconians and stuff Maybe that's easier than doing a full epic aerial battle, but there are critical scenes of the books that if you're going to do it right, there are epic aerial battles of dragon riders and with the lances and they're duking it out in the skies. And I'm, I'm, I'm doing a concern. Understandably they, so. If they said it was going to be a cartoon, cool. We oh, can yeah. animate that, right? Because oh, we're yeah. already getting a, a, a Dritz cartoon. Yep. Um, and they're, they're working on that, and we saw with the Critical Role cartoon how well they did it. Fox Machin is incredible. Yeah, but a live-action show with dragons, riders, and lances, and doing a... I don't know. I'm, I... This movie makes me more hopeful, but... 
I will say that some of the the other people working on this is the director of Red Notice, Ross and Marshall Thummer, uh, wrote and will helm the pilot episode. And I don't know if you've gotten to see Red Notice. It's on Netflix. It's pretty good. Um, that that's is different than Red, right? Correct. Because Red was the movie with um, all like the the former spies that were retired. Correct. Retired, extremely dangerous. I think was the the. The headline yeah, for like that. Helen Mirren and But Red John Notice Malkovich. was Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Gal Gadot, and Ryan Reynolds. Oh, I did see that one. Yes. And I did so see that, one. that was a, a I felt humor wise, a fantastic film. Yeah. Um, so I believe that knowing what I know about Joe and the way that he I'm just gonna say Joe, because obviously I'm not gonna try that last name. Not that we're on first name basis, but Mangianello. Mangianello. Uh, I know that he is a guy that looks tough, but is absolutely hilarious. And I think that bringing levity will be a critical point in making the show work because it can't just be, and I I think that sometimes might've been one of the downfalls of rings of power was we never really got to see too much lightheartedness. Yeah. It was very dark. It was very downtrodden. It was very... You, you didn't... Because there was some in the movies. Exactly. You got to see, you know, the Hobbits. What about and... Second Breakfast? Exactly. We we had Pippin and Mary, who were kind of our comedy relief. Yeah. And Rings of Power, even the, the pre-Hobbit civilization, they were going through some really rough stuff. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like having that bit of levity is going to hopefully separate it out. There's but. not a lot of levity, le, le, levity in the Dragonlance books, though. They're Tasselhoff and Fizzman. Add, I guess they add a couple of scenes here and there, but the story is kind of a downer, too, for the most part. I get, I, it's a great story, but... They have said that it's a Dragonlance TV series. I don't know if they've actually said if it's following the books or not. Have you read that? Oh, I didn't think about that. I guess I just naturally assumed that they were going to take this epic story. And yeah, because there is a new book, right? It's um, coming out. Uh, no, it's out right now. Oh, is it out already? Yeah, actually, book two is coming out right now. There's like a new trilogy that they're doing. And um, I've been reading through the first one, and it only tangentially touches the original trilogy at all because... I couldn't figure out when it was set, and then there's a one of the characters goes off to fight with Sturm, um, when, and, and they said in that battles when Sturm died. So then I'm like, okay, now I have a reference point of when this is happening. Um, so the, I guess maybe it's possible that it could be following the new story instead of the original trilogy. I don't know. I did hear somebody when we were, you know, uh, people were talking to Joe. I did hear somebody ask if he was going to play Caramon in the, the, the show. And he's like, no way. Caramon's like 22 years old. I'm way too old for that. <laughs> okay. Well, if that's the case, then maybe that will be set in a time period of the books. Yeah. Can you buy the book, uh, the new Dragonlance book at Red Reckon Games? Um, I, I don't know if we have it in stock right now, but if anybody asked me for it, I could get it very easily. If somebody wanted to know what... We, can, we have access to... Basically, if it's a new book that has been released in print anywhere, we can order it in. We just I just tend to carry some of the fantasy-based stuff. Um, and it's you know mostly because you know, um, Bob's Bay is just right down the street from us, and I don't want to step on too many toes. So I I tend to bring in stuff that's only directly related to games. 
Um, so this one I could bring in for anybody pretty easy. Stay in the lane. I get yeah. that. However, this was actually just a clever segue to talk about what's in the new hotness. So looking at our, our we, we had our undercover agent Alexis at the uh, store actually send us something. And I have to ask one thing right away. There is a boxed video, a boxed board game called Star Trek Super Skill Pinball. So it's a roll and write game. That okay. we saw come out, it's part of a series from WizKids of pinball rolling rights. And we saw the announcements for them coming out probably a year ago. And I remember looking at it and going, well, that sounds dumb. <laughs> because there's a million games coming out, right? There was right. 3,400 games uh, that came out last year, or for 3,400 SKUs that came out for our industry last year. And so we don't bring in every game. We're trying to pick and choose. And I looked at it and went, well, that looks dumb. So we just didn't bring it in. And then somehow Alexis, I don't know, she got a copy somewhere. I don't know if she ordered it in or, or where it came from. She and Jesse played it. And on their third game playthrough of the same night, they sent he started sending me messages at 1130 on a Friday night saying how good the game was. And they're just raving about it. So I haven't played it yet, but um, Alexis does most of the buying for the store now. I said, if you guys like the game that much, order some copies, bring it in, right? And so she did, and it's been selling. There's three games in this pinball series that Jesse is normally not a fan of Roland Wright's. You know, like Brittany and Alexis are both pretty big fans of it. Jesse's normally kind of meh on mm-hmm. anything Roland Wright, and he's been loving it. Huh. And he's he's playing at one player. You can play at multiplayer. Um, he's telling everybody about it. So I, I'm I'm interested to try it out. I want to try a game out to see what they're talking about because um, Jesse normally doesn't get that excited about anything that doesn't have anime characters in it. Speaking of, at the very bottom of the shelf, you'll see a game called For Hope, and that just has the anime aesthetic all over. And I'm guessing that's a Jesse purchase. Well, it is. We're um, so. It's in in weird evolutions of the store. We have evolved and gotten big enough, and we, we do a good enough job that publishers are seeking us out for partnerships to do mm-hmm. things. So that's how we are. We're one of only two stores in the entire state of Illinois that's a Darrington Press store to carry Critical Role stuff. We were sought out to do a partnership with uh, Japanime Games. And oh. so this is a Japanime Games uh, release. I don't know a ton about it, um, you know, but we, as part of that partnership, um, they agree to provide us some extra marketing materials. And then we agree that we're going to carry X number of their new games that are released every year. Okay. Yeah. So, so I don't know much about that one other than... It's a bigger box game. A lot of Japanimes games tend to be card games mm-hmm. um, or quick action dice games. And this is a bigger box board game release. And the artwork looks super cool on it. Um, it but, does look high quality from what we can see. Yeah. But that's about all I know about that. I, I wish I knew more on that one. But also on the bottom row there, too, um, is Herstory mm-hmm. um, or Her, Her Story. Um, and that's a new release from... The sirens are in our end if you can hear them. 
Yeah, uh, that's a new release from Underdog Games. And Underdog Games, their previous releases were Trekking the uh, Trekking America, uh, Trekking the World, Trekking Through History, and then they released this one. This one's cool because it is it features 120 real women from history. And basically the concept of the game is that you are a novelist wanting to write a, a reference novel and write stories about the women that influenced your life. And so you, there are ways that all these various women are connected together as the game portion of the, of it, but your each chapter of the book that you're writing is basically featuring, featuring another person from uh, another woman that made an influence in world history somewhere. Pretty cool. That is really cool. Yeah. So if you want to know uh, what is new and really cool, you can always come into Red Raccoon Games, check out the new hotness. It'll be right on your right-hand side. Where is it going to be in the new store? I think it's going to be right on the right-hand side. Excellent. <laughs> no need to change well, that. Well, we're, we're still debating where each thing goes in the new store, too. It's it's either going to be the first row right as you come. It'll be right as you come in the door, but is it just to the right of the door? There is a spot we could put it there, or it could be the first row of in the aisle, like right as you walk in the door. There's a feature right there, or it could be both because you know sometimes we get so many new releases that we don't have enough shelf space in just that one shelf for everything. Well, we will have to find out. But if you want to come in and give your suggestions on where the new hotness should be in the new store, uh, what would be some reasons that people could come in to do that, Jamie? What's going on this week at the store? This week is kind of a, a the chill run up until um, you know we get to. There's no big releases because Easter's next weekend. So, but this this Friday is also the first Friday of April, and it's um, there's a lot of Easter hunts downtown. There's a there's a, a Bloomington almost first Holy Festival, um, which is the festival of colors where they throw mm-hmm. the colored dyes at everybody in their white clothes. Um, there's a, there's a couple of Indian girls, uh, at, I think normal West high school that are starting that. So that's pretty cool. That'd be the first time we've ever had that downtown. Um, but in the store, we've got a ton of pre-orders that are open right now. So you can pre-order March of the machine is coming at us quickly. It's like two weeks out and that's the new magic set. Um, the new Lord of the Rings set is available for pre-order. I am putting together the finishing touches to open up for pre-order, for Marvel United, the multiverse set. Um, John, I know you're a big Marvel United fan. So I, am. I don't know if you're interested in a whole new wave of boxes. Uh, so many boxes. There are so many boxes. There's at least seven more as part of this one. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, and it adds, you know, Spider Ham and Spider Man 2099 and Lady Thor. and It is Mighty Thor. That is the, the technical. The Mighty time. Thor, yes. Mighty Thor. Yes, um, and to all the... Captain Carter. Every time they've done a variant where they went into a different multiverse, right, it's it's made it in here. If it's in the What If cartoon, I think it's... But also, part. like, from the, uh, the, the We Are Carnage series, all those various versions of Carnage are in it and, and things of that nature, too, so it's kind of crazy. So there's lots of stuff that's available for pre-order because there's a ton of new stuff coming out right after Easter. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the week they, they take a pause every year waiting to not um, do anything super crazy for Easter. I would like to take this time to give a little shout out about the pre-order form. So on RedRaccoonGames.com, uh, as well as I think it occasionally gets put on the Facebook posts. Yeah. There is a pre-order form that you can go into and you can, we are trying to improve that. We're trying, trying to make it easier. 
We're trying to make it easier. We're trying to find ways so that you can like very quickly go in and say, oh yeah, this is something I'm looking forward to. Please put me down for it. We know that there are some hurdles that we're still trying to accomplish there, but give us some time and we hope that we're going to create something that's going to be really useful for both us and you as a user. Yeah, right so, now you can easily fill out a form that says, I am interested in this new game I read about someplace being available at Red Raccoon Games. And then we have to create that game in our system. And sometimes the announcements come out and we don't know when. We don't even know how much it's going to be. We have no, we don't have enough information to actually take your pre-order yet because we, you know, the game was announced. We know Clank Legacy, the expansion was announced. We don't know how much it's going to cost. Yeah. Or when it's coming out. My, my gut says it's coming out at Gen Con this year. That makes sense. But we don't know how much it's going to cost. Once we have enough information to actually do the pre-orders, then we can say this form is going to be our new vehicle. And it's just got checkboxes where you can go to the form and say, I want to pre-order these games as once we know the prices on them. Um, uh, and, you know, as a, for instance, we just added all the Lord of the Rings stuff on there, but also we started taking interest for Disney Lorcana, the new card game coming out at Gen Con, and we'll have it right after the week after Gen Con in the store. Um, and then you can just check boxes to say, this is what I would want, and then we turn those into pre-orders into our, our point-of-sale system. They're not connected right now. It's still a little bit of a manual process for us, but at least you'll be able to see a list of, here are the things we think that are big and interesting coming up if you want to get your names on them now. And we're gonna, there's a section for board games, a section for Magic, for Pokemon, for other TCGs, for Warhammer stuff, for Kickstarter stuff. Um, so you know what we're working on and you can easily say, I want these things when they come into the store. Technically, those are still two forms to this day, but we are trying to get a point where it's going to be just one form. And you can just click there and, and have all the options, whether you want to give a suggestion or find out what's going to be already available for, for yeah. pickup. Well, with 3,400 new games coming out every year now, we spend a significant amount of time just data entry of just putting games in the system once yep. we know the prices of them. Putting your face to the fire hose. Yeah. I ordered like 170 new puzzles the other day, and so we have to create all those in the system. Fun! And when I say we, I mean somebody else. Exactly. And with that, our episode is going to come to a close. I'd like to remind you to stick around. If you are a Patreon subscriber, you're going to be hearing a little bit more of an in-depth conversation about uh, Dungeons Dragons the movie. If not, I'd like to thank the staff member who joined me today, Jamie. Uh, if you want your chance to talk about your tabletop with him or any of our other amazing staff members, uh, come and find them at Red Raccoon Games, located in downtown Bloomington, Illinois, where, as Jamie pointed out, if you need a fantasy book, if you need something that's D&D related, if you are one of those people that just loves to have that tactile feel of an open page in your hand, uh, we can definitely help you with that. I want to thank Jillian Mesner for the use of our theme music, and feel free to tell us how we're doing by leaving a comment in the podcast app of your choice, or come right to the source by emailing us at info at redraccoongames.com. If you throw the word podcast in the subject line, we'll do our best to give a shout-out on the show. But until Can I next, do a quick shout-out? Doing a shout-out. Tim, we're finally caught back up. We actually got an email from uh, Tim saying, hey... Is there a problem with the podcast app Lister? Because there hasn't been a podcast in like six oh, weeks. Tim. I'm like, I'm Tim. I'm really sorry. I'm so sorry, Tim. Tim, yeah. we're calling out right now. Thank you for being loyal. We were bringing it back. We were back on schedule. We have 
One, one of our larger problems was we did not always have a dedicated location to do this. So very much pirate radio style, we were having to like jump from place to place to place. We should now have a more stable location that is going to really allow us to have it in one place and then hopefully be able to call in a few more people to have really fun episodes and conversations yeah. and things like that. Yeah. So, so the quick shout out, Tim. We're back, baby. We're back. Woo-woo. But until next time, keep playing. Bye, guys. Bye.